Now, hopefully you're in a small group through this eight-week journey of Same Page Focus uh, that we're starting today. Uh, if not, go to eaglemont.info and click on the Small Groups button to explore the options. But I, I strongly encourage you to connect in community this way, uh, whether you've been a part of Eaglemont Church for years or hours. Truly, you're welcome. Um, I, I want to mention one other thing about uh, the, the Sunday messages and the weekly small group video teachings that you'll hear uh, from Louis Giglio on Right Now Media. There will be some points of overlap in the teaching, but some points that the, the Sunday preacher will uh, emphasize that uh, Louis, Giglio, uh, Louis Giglio won't in the video and vice versa. Uh, it's same page focus, but not necessarily uh, specifically all the time. So I just wanted to uh, mention that for your awareness. This Colossians study is titled Stronger 2-7. And this message today, Jesus equals change. Uh, in our email last Thursday, I shared a link to a nine-minute overview video of the Colossians, an overview of the Colossians letter that was a part of our Bible reading app uh, on September 28th or 29th. Um, and I encourage you, if you, if you didn't get that uh, email, to let us know. But if you didn't watch that video yet, uh, watch it. Uh, it's a great overview of this particular letter. I've got a question for you. Do new experiences excite you or make you nervous? For some of you diving into uh, a book of the Bible like we're doing in these weeks is a new experience. But I'm asking everyone, have you ever approached a New Testament letter and said, God, I'm going to walk prayerfully through these words from you to me, these words from you to the church family I'm a part of. I want to get everything out of your words uh, about who you are, uh, about how you want me to live in relationship with you, in relationship with others. I commit to apply your words to my life from this biblical letter. And, and as a disciple of Jesus, I want to, in this process, I want to grow stronger in my relationship with you as a result. Have you ever done that with any biblical letter, intentionally so? Well, I want you to know that that's what I'm doing at the beginning of this eight-week journey through this New Testament letter of Colossians. And I'm asking you to join with me, please. And if you are willing to do that, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Pray, Holy Spirit, Please open your word to my heart and life and open my heart and life to your word and make me stronger in my relationship with you and others because of it. In Jesus' powerful name I pray, amen. Let's hold on to that prayer through these weeks. So let's go. Stronger, 2-7. The underpinning of this series, in fact, the whole book of Colossians, uh, is really found in Colossians chapter 2, verse 7, where Paul writes to individuals that are already Christ followers. He's writing to the church, which again is not a building or a denomination, but rather a group of people. And he says to these Christ followers, he says, let your roots gr grow down into him, Jesus Christ that is, and let your lives be built on him, and then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thanksgiving. That's cool. I love it. It's worth noting verse 6 as well, just before, that says, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. In other words, simply praying a prayer to accept Jesus 
It's, that's only the beginning of our journey as a disciple of Jesus in relationship with him. It's an, it's an important part, but, it, but that's only the beginning. There's a, a lifetime of uh, relationship to, to enjoy and explore and be stretched by, like most relationships do, right? God's desire for us is that we continually grow stronger. And, and again, not to earn a place in heaven, don't misunderstand, because that only comes, our eternal salvation in heaven only comes by the gift of God's grace in Christ. But stronger, stronger to, to bring him glory and please him, stronger to face life confidently in, in relationship with him and experience his fullness of joy, uh, stronger to effectively reflect, uh, reflect his grace to those who desperately need it, stronger to uh, hold our spiritual ground when life just hits us with trouble, and it does, you, you know it. Uh, st stronger to say no when we're tempted to go against God's best ways for us, stronger to be a loving witness for Christ and share uh, his hope in our broken world, stronger, stronger for him and stronger for others. What a great theme. Think about this idea of getting stronger from a physical fitness standpoint. Many of you know this. It takes, uh, it takes commitment. It takes determination, discipline, focus, intentionality, hard work. I, I mean, look at this body. I mean, my friends, something like that just does not just happen. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, getting stronger also requires something called stick-to-itiveness. Dictionary.com defines the word as determination and persistence, especially in the face of difficulties. And Jesus promised us those difficulties, stick-to-itiveness. We also need to remember that growing stronger in our relationship with God is only possible as we recognize that Jesus Christ is the supreme authority in the universe and thus must be given the place of supreme authority in our individual lives. And when we surrender to him like that, we, we experience the, the Jesus equals change, life. And I mean, first we're immediately brought into his family, that's big change. And then there's ongoing change as we begin to grow and begin to, begin to bear fruit, as the scripture puts it, uh, bear fruit in our lives uh, through the development of our character to, to, to increasingly become more like Jesus and act and think and speak more and more like him. That's becoming stronger in our relationship with Christ. And so our passage today is the first 14 verses of Colossians 1. And this letter, New Testament letter, Paul is, uh, is, is, is writing out of love for people that he probably never even met. Somebody else had planted the church. Uh, but anyway, he, he writes this. I'm going to read it. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, um, grab one nearby. If you don't have one at all, let us know. We'd be happy to get you a copy. This letter, he says, is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and from our brother, brother Timothy. We are writing to God's holy people in the city of Colossae who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. May God our Father give you grace and peace. We always pray for you and give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all God's people, which uh, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. 
You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. This same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by doing what? Changing lives, just as it changed your life from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. You learned about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved coworker. He is Christ's faithful servant, and he is helping us on your behalf. He has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. So, we have not stopped. In verse 9, he says, So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. Verse 11, we also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sin. Powerful words. We could park there for a year, actually. But here's a little background, a little background for some context of this fantastic letter. Colossae was a small town in the Roman province of Asia, which would include modern-day Turkey, about 100 miles east of Ephesus. And during the Persian and the Greek empires, Colossae, this city was a was a. a of considerable importance in in many ways. Uh, One of the key reasons that Paul wrote this letter to the Christians was because uh, this guy that's, you heard me name him in in the reading, Epaphras, uh, who is likely the individual who founded or planted this church in the city of Colossae, uh, he had arrived in Rome where Paul was in prison for talking too much about Jesus. And and that's where Paul wrote this letter from, uh, was, was from prison. But Epaphras brought some good news about the growth of the believers in this city, but also some concerning news that there was was something called heresy floating around, wrong teaching that was threatening the spiritual well-being of this group of, of Christ followers. And so Paul addressed it straight on, as he always did. Paul called it, actually, he called it a hollow and deceptive philosophy. You see, whenever there was uh, teaching that was, was off base, uh, that was a wrong teaching, in any church in the New Testament, Paul addressed it. It's, it's what a, a good shepherd actually must do. Well, the group that brought this heresy to the Colossian church was called, uh, a group called the Gnostics. And the root word in that word is the word gnosis, G-N-O-S-I-S, and it means knowledge. So they taught that salvation came through knowledge and not through faith. Obviously obviously false, biblically, and, and, and dangerous teaching that we that we would depend on our level of knowledge to bring eternal salvation. It's not the case. They also believed that matter was evil, the physical body even, was inherently evil. Therefore, they could not accept the, uh, the real and physical 
uh, incarnation, and that's just a fancy word, theological word for what we celebrate at Christmas, that God took on human flesh. He incarnated himself in human flesh. That's what Jesus did. And so the Gnostics, they denied the humanity of Jesus, believing various explanations they had to do away with the fact that Jesus was actually on earth in person, but they uh, a big part of what they said was, well, the, that body of Jesus was simply an illusion. Interesting. And, and again, this is dangerous teaching. Yes, Jesus uh, came as God, perfectly holy, so that he could be the uh, absolute perfect sacrifice for our sin, which we needed, but he also came as a, a 100% God, 100% man, he came as a man, which allowed him to identify with human struggles and, and allowed him to become the bridge between a holy God and human beings that were not holy. And he was the bridge to bring us, to reconcile us in eternal and personal relationship with God, our creator. That's why sometimes you might hear Jesus is referred to as, he's the, he's the bridge, and he is the bridge between us and God, because there's a big chasm that we can't get across on our own. And so Paul corrects this wrong teaching in the first half of Colossians with a, a profound presentation of Christology, which is, a the, again, a theological term uh, that is just a definition of the, the study of uh, the person and work of Jesus Christ, who he is and what he did. Important truths, non-negotiable, actually, uh, because they affect, influence, impact our eternal salvation, what we believe about who Jesus is and what he did on the cross and his resurrection. And then the second half of this letter is kind of a mini ethics course uh, that touches on individual life, family life, work life, how I relate to people, uh, all under the umbrella of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And so in this letter, Paul, uh, he expresses a lot of things. One of, one of the other things he talks about and, and uh, addresses or, or shares is his pastoral encouragement to these new believers. So they, you know, encourages them to keep faithful. Don't, he doesn't want them to turn back to their old way of living, but rather, what does he say? Put your roots deeply down in Christ. Become stronger in that relationship uh, in order to, to live for him faithfully and, and to live stronger in their Christ-honoring influence in their broken world. Paul knew that they um, not only would be stronger uh, or that, that they would be stronger only as they, they built everything about their lives upon Jesus Christ, uh, upon his character, and upon his teaching. In this uh, opening passage of Colossians, we see numerous examples as you read it. Uh, they just jumped out at me as I read this uh, in preparation for this message. Uh, but numerous examples and, and statements of change that only Jesus could bring. Initial change and ongoing change that many of us as Christ followers still want uh, in our lives and we're still uh, working at and focusing on praying through and trusting Christ for. Uh, don't give up. Don't give up on those changes you want in your character. Uh, God wants to just come alongside you and I believe he will in these days as you, as you prayerfully focus on those things. But uh, verse 4, uh, there's a, a new love for all God's people. In verse 5, a new hope about what awaits us in heaven. In verse 6, Paul reminds us that the gospel of Jesus is spreading all around the world. And, of course, that applies today as well. Uh, he says, it's still changing lives just as it changed your life from the first day you understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. 
Do you remember that day? Some of you do. Well, it was a transformational day. Some of you, that day is yet to come. And maybe for you, th that day could be today. When you, when, when you experience the grace and the forgiveness and the freedom in your heart and mind that receiving Christ's forgiveness, that he offers you freely, that that brings today, I hope, is your day, if that's not something you've, uh, you've opened your heart to yet. And then verse 8, Paul says that Epaphras told him, and this is the quote, about the love for others that the Holy Spirit had given to them, to this group of Christians. Love for others that the Holy Spirit has given. The, the, the implication is that, that we can't stir up somehow this love for others. We can't deliver it on our own strength. The Holy Spirit's work in our hearts is needed for that to happen. And, and I think that's true for any one of us, if we're honest. For some of you, that's definitely a part of your story, this, this, this change and, and, and the love part of it. God has made you a loving person when you were not before you knew Christ. And uh, I mean, you, some of you maybe, you know, you used to be a completely different person. And then, and then you met Jesus, you surrendered your life to him, and he brought change in your, in your temperament, in your perspective, in how you viewed people, in how you treated people. He, he put in you a heart that just, just loved people deeply. And then someone who knew the old you <laughs> bumped into you or you, you, you met them recently and they, they, they just, as they observed you, um, they, had to, they had to admit Jesus equals change. And then Paul adds this important reminder in the last part of verse 10. He says, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. Like any relationship, there's, there's movement, there's learning, there's growth. There's times when we seem to slip back. There's times when uh, the relationship dynamic seems, seems to be dry. Uh, uh, but like any relationship that we value, we can learn to know the person better and better. We spend time with the person. We open our heart to that person. We talk to that person. We, we read that person's love letter as God left for us in his word. His word is primary in getting to know God better and better. And as we do, automatically the roots of our life go deeper, which Paul is calling us to as Christ followers in this, in this first part of uh, Colossians 1. And then Paul concludes this section with a clear reminder in verses 13 and 14 of the powerful and eternal change that happens in the life of anyone who surrenders and trusts Christ as forgiver and leader of their life. He says, for he has, God has, rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. And that's important because it's our sin that is the barrier between us and God. And we cannot remove that sin, only Jesus can. The Greek word that Paul uses here for, uh, when, he, when he talks about us being transferred into his kingdom, of, the kingdom of his son, it's a verb that, that was used when one empire won a victory over another. 
It was the custom at that time for the conquering nation to, they would take the, the whole population of the defeated country and transfer it fully to their land as the conquering people. Now, the imagery breaks down a little bit because we're not, we're not defeated when we, uh, you know, when we are transferred into God's kingdom. We've, we've voluntarily surrendered because we know our conqueror uh, loves us so much. We, we, want, we want out of the darkness. And so when we surrender, he, he lovingly and compassionately rescues us from his kingdom, from, from that kingdom of darkness, a, a kingdom that's controlled by the darkest of characters who the Bible calls Satan, a, a real person. A, a, a real uh, uh, individual, a real being who has always, from the very beginning of time, um, or I should say when, from the very beginning when he was kicked out of heaven, and that's a whole other story, but he, he has always opposed any good thing that God has for us. Anything uh, that, that God wants to give us, he wants to intercept. And so we need to be aware of that. Not, not be afraid of that, but be aware. God transfers us out of living in that dark kingdom of, of fear, of, of separation from God, and rescues us from walking aimlessly in those dark corridors of, of, of pain and inner turmoil and entrapment to sin. And, and God transfers us to a place of freedom, the kingdom of his son, transferred by the one who will bring victory now and in the end in our lives as believers. So we, we go from darkness to light. We go from death to life. We go from slavery to freedom. We go from living under uh, condemnation to knowing God's complete forgiveness. Literally a rescue that's huge from the power of Satan to the gracious and loving care of God, the creator of the universe, who has shown that grace to us in the person of Jesus. All of this comes to us because of what Jesus did on the cross and his resurrection, which proves his resurrection, the fact that he came back to life. He didn't stay dead. His resurrection proves he was or has the power to, to deliver us from all of that in that previous kingdom of which we were a part. It's called regeneration, which is a, a powerful work of the Holy Spirit that brings us as sinful human beings to the place of, uh, of having faith in Christ and being willing to repent uh, and turn from our sinful ways to Christ, which are the spiritual responses that result in what Jesus called being born again in John 3, uh, verse 3, born again spiritually, because we were spiritually dead. We, we were spiritually born, though physically alive, spiritually dead. And so it required this, this birth of our, of our spirit. And when, when we receive Christ's life and forgiveness, we come to life spiritually and connect with, with God spirit to spirit. Jesus equals change. I want to conclude with an example and a story about this, this power of Jesus to bring change to a life. 
at a Catalyst conference uh, several years ago in the, in the U.S. I, I heard Louis Giglio speak, who uh, you'll hear in the small group videos in, in the series, uh, if you're in a small group. Louis pastors a church in Atlanta, Georgia, and at that conference, I heard him describe how God gave them a dream of reaching people in that city and then gave them a building to fit that dream, to match that dream. He said God placed them right in the middle of an eclectic mix of neighborhoods and people groups. He said one direction was high end, uh, was a high-end shopping area. Another direction was uh, a very, uh, an area of very, very expensive homes. And then another direction was a cluster of apartments where newcomers to the country were living to try to establish a new life for themselves. And then close to their church building in the other direction was very large uh, concentration of adult and X-rated businesses. And there they were, planted right in the middle of all that. Pastor Louis said this, he said, we started praying about the adult businesses and out of a heart to serve, we quickly organized a protest and started picketing them every night. That was his humor. That was his sarcastic jab at, I suppose, what some churches might do and call it picketing evangelism. But then he spoke very seriously and said they began praying specifically about, about God's strategy to reach hurting, lonely, spiritually lost, broken people. And to show God's love to the people of those adult businesses near their church building. People from their church, as they were praying and and talking and, and moving out in mission. The people from the church over time somehow made meaningful connections with the ladies from those clubs. And as these Christ followers got to know them, they would take them birthday gifts and Christmas cards and, and, and care for their children at times. And, and then Pastor Luis said this to us. He said, a few Sundays ago was a baptism at our church. There was a young lady who a few months earlier had been working in one of the clubs. But now she had come to know Christ through the loving and serving-hearted influence of genuine Christian people. She was baptized as a new believer in Jesus. Her story is that one night she drove to work fully planning after her shift to run her car off the road in an attempt to take her life. But that was the night that once again she came face to face with loving Christ followers in the parking lot of that business. That was the night she decided to never return to that place, but to follow Jesus instead. Louis put it this way, and he said this exact statement, referring, well, whether he realized it at the time or not, but it's Colossians 1. He said, she had gone from death to life. Beautiful. Jesus brings that kind of change. Jesus equals eternal change. Maybe today you realize you need change in your life. Maybe you need change in, in your thoughts about heaven and whether or not you'll get there. 
today I encourage you to surrender your life to Jesus Christ and let him change you from the inside out. You don't have to get cleaned up to come to Jesus, to come to God. No. Step in by faith to the relationship he offers you. And from there, he wants to walk with you and work on those things. But that's the beauty and the adventure of walking in relationship with the God who created you and loves you most and knows you best. If you want God to do that in your life, to make you one of his children and to bring you into his family, to bring spiritual change in an instant from darkness to light, from spiritual death to eternal life now, immediately, by trusting Jesus as the forgiver of your sin and the leader of your life. If you want to do that, I, I invite you to pray like this. And these words are not a magic formula. It's more about the posture of your heart and God can see that. But to express a heart that says, God, I, I, I want to know you. I know you created me. I want to follow you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying in my place so I could go free, so I could live eternally, now and, and on into eternity with you. Thank you for that gift of your grace, of your death and your resurrection. I surrender my life to you. I ask you to forgive my sin. I ask you to be the leader of my life because you know best. And I want to I, I wanna express my trust in that and my trust in you. I receive your gift of salvation now. I receive the, 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 the change in this moment from being separated from you to be, being in, in relationship, unbroken relationship with you. I receive that gift now in Jesus' name. Amen. If you express that to God, your eternal trajectory just changed. You can be sure that you have a place in God's eternal heaven. You can, not because of anything you've done, but because God declared it to be so when you trust him. That's, that's amazing. That almost seems too good to be true. But it's true. If you made that step, if you took that step of, of opening your heart to Christ today, I, I, would, I would love to hear about that. And I'd ask you if you would let me know by texting Jesus. Text the word Jesus to the number that you see and we would just want to um, be available to, to help and encourage you in this new relationship and give you some resources that could, um, could help you and, and I believe will help you establish and grow your new relationship uh, with Jesus Christ. It's been so good to be together this way and uh, I, I just hope and pray you've been encouraged and strengthened and if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to reach out. I pray God's strength for you in whatever this week may hold. Have a great one.